0: This is Buck's First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Cuomo Advisors altered report on COVID-19 nursing home deaths. That was the story in the Wall Street Journal just yesterday. I, I want to make sure that we all focus in on this because I know the media is spending a lot of time on the sexual harassment allegations about Cuomo and That's fine. He's a creepy old weirdo. I get it. I'm with you on all that. But what he did in the nursing home fiasco was far more egregious as a matter of public conduct and far more damaging to the Democrat Party and brand and the media, too. That's a mega scandal, not not a thing that can be apologized for, not a thing that you can just wave aside with a hand and a few tears and say, I'll do better other times, I promise. That's not the way this works. We need to continue to hammer home the point here that Cuomo had people on his staff intentionally change numbers about deaths during a pandemic. This would be like a general lying about troops killed in battle so he could keep his job. That's how serious this is. You have to understand the degree to which this changed thinking and this mattered at this period in time of extremely important and tense decision making. Maybe people would have thought differently about, oh, I don't know, the Great Barrington Declaration about focus protection for seniors if they had known just how egregious. The government misconduct, how how awful the decision making was in New York. Remember, New York and New Jersey, number number two and number one, respectively, for covid deaths per 100000 people in the United States, both very deep blue Democrat states. Let's remember that. And yet somehow Cuomo was a hero. He was second only to Fauci, to whom I can only say he needs to go Fauci himself Second only to Fauci in terms of the hero worship from the media. What the heck was this all about? How did this even happen? There's so much going on here. First of all, you have the fact that if you're a Democrat, you can get away with things that you would never be able to. If this were Republican, imagine this were Christy Noem. Imagine this were Ron DeSantis. If Ron DeSantis hid 15,000 uh, nursing home deaths by, by undercounting it by 50%. So whatever, they said it was roughly you know, 7,500, let's say. Something along, that, along those lines. If he said that it was 7,500, it was really 15,000, people would be demanding, not only he resign, and when I say people, I mean universal. There would be universal nationwide condemnation in the media, it would be the top story and there's just this kind of muted, half-hearted reportage on it from the Democrat outlets. You know, yeah, it looks like maybe a crazy thing happened, man. Cuomo was undercounting nursing home deaths by, I don't know, like 50% or something. Wow. They really don't math so good over in the Cuomo office, do they? Yeah. Tough to do addition and subtraction. This mattered immensely. And if this were Ron DeSantis, it would be the number one news story. I mean, you know, you remember when during the Bush administration, there was that misconduct in, in uh, Abu Ghraib. And that was on the front page of the newspaper day after day after day after day. And I remember being a, a pretty, pretty young guy at the time and saying, wow, so so this is how you make a story really stick. This is how you really tear down an administration with a story. I mean, George Bush wasn't giving that order, but Abu Ghraib was on the front page of the newspaper of the New York Times, for example, I I, want to say 20 out of 30 days or something like that. It was a long time ago, but it was so much coverage of just saturation, saturation coverage. And they could do the same thing with Cuomo. This is a really big deal. We've had Democrats and we've had the corporate media lecturing us month after month after month about listening to the data, obeying the science, doing what Fauci tells us. And the hero of the pandemic was actually the villain. And we're not supposed to think that this is indicative of broader problems and the way they approach this whole thing in 2020. We're not supposed to make the connection that clearly they were willing to go along with this in part because they knew that Cuomo was a useful weapon against Donald Trump in the election year. That orange man bad who liked hydroxychloroquine as an idea and, you know, wasn't running around quadruple masking that that maybe they were a little bit unfair to the point of sheer dishonesty about Trump in the election year and were willing to prop up people like Cuomo. Here's this this piece, The Wall Street Journal, New York's Andrew Cuomo, uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's top advisors successfully pushed state health officials to strip a public health report of data showing that more nursing home residents had died of COVID-19 than the administration had acknowledged. The July report, which examined the factors that led to the spread of the virus in nursing homes, focused only on residents who died inside long-term care facilities, leaving out those who had died in hospitals after becoming sick in nursing homes. As a result, the report said six thousand four hundred thirty two nursing home residents had died. A significant undercount of the death toll attributed to the state's most vulnerable population, the people said. The initial version of the report said nearly ten thousand nursing home residents had died in New York by July late last year. One of the people said, according to those with knowledge of the report, unbelievable. They went from 10,000 to 6,000. That's a pretty big difference, isn't it? Why would they do that? Well, because they knew that that number would really shock people. And they knew that other states that also have senior citizens would be a point of comparison. And what they're now going to be able to do is say, hold on a second. The data was, was fudged here in a way that was meant to prevent accurate comparison how can you know whether your public health officials how can you know whether your governor is doing a good job when they're lying about the very data that they claim is supporting their position and let me tell you this right now this is not the only instance it may be the most egregious but the only instance of fraud through numbers manipulation during this pandemic we will find more of this There are other cases where people either cherry pick numbers. And I'm talking about governors, state health officials, maybe even Fauci himself. They cherry pick data to fit a preferred narrative and suppressed anything that challenged what they wanted the people to believe. If this were if Cuomo were the CEO of a publicly traded company or any company for that matter, if Cuomo were the CEO of a private corporation, this kind of activity of hiding numbers like this if they were profit numbers for example I mean if you were cooking the books he'd be facing prison time but he cooked the books intentionally on deaths during a pandemic when decisions were being made that were directly affecting and in some cases as we see now causing those deaths and we're supposed to just forget about it no big deal everybody was doing their best Cuomo was giving us such great press conferences. His brother over at CNN was doing such funny stuff with him at night. They should have had a duo show. Well, I guess they did. These are the people. These are the voices. These are the platforms out there. All these different Democrat and Cuomo aligned groups and individuals who have been telling you all along to trust them, believe them. And they missed. And they also slowed this down, right? That was another part of it. They were hoping to delay this and they managed to delay it until after the election, which is why now they're willing to finally let this all go. Why why now you're seeing all the sexual harassment stories. And, you know, there are people who are uh, who are actually sitting down to do interviews with the accusers. All this is happening because Cuomo's extreme usefulness has passed. You know, you see this with Cuomo. It reminds me of what I believe will happen soon with Joe Biden where eventually the Democrats will no longer be able to prop up Biden, Biden, who's declining. will figure out this guy really isn't up for this. It'll be apparent. It'll be embarrassing. It'll be sad. And they'll say, oh, yeah, sorry, I guess we missed that. But ha, he beat Trump, didn't he? This is how they play the game. It's the Harry Reid approach to politics. Remember Harry Reid lied about Mitt Romney's tax returns. You know, I'm no Mitt Romney fan. But when asked about this, just complete slander. Harry Reid laughed and said he didn't win, did he? And he was right. This is how Democrats, this is how your corporate media approaches their job. They are on a team. They have picked a side. And in this case of Governor Cuomo, the side they picked was lying about thousands and thousands of deaths. And causing, remember, it's not just that they were embarrassed by the number. I mean, to understand the full scope of this, you have to recognize that Cuomo because of his unthinkably stupid decision to try to clear out hospital space faster by forcing COVID-positive patients back into nursing homes. He caused more of these deaths. You see, it wasn't just this number looks bad for the state of New York. It's Cuomo made a decision, and some of that decision-making or some of that decision's ramifications led to people's moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, Dying in nursing homes, not allowed to see their family members, maybe allowed a last Zoom call. It is awful beyond words. But he was telling you he was giving you lectures. And even if you don't live in New York, he doesn't care. He was America's lecturer in chief during COVID. That's what Cuomo was. He was telling you, if you don't mask up, you might kill somebody. You might cause somebody else's family member, loved one to die. How dare you do exactly what Cuomo says or else? Talk about what psychologists would call projection. This is so far the biggest scandal, although there are many and there's going to be a lot more accountability that we have to force on the lockdowners as we have more data and more of the truth can finally come out. But what Cuomo did was the most appalling uh, decision and the most dishonest aftermath of any major policy choice of the entire COVID-19 pandemic. And we're finding out about it now. We will not let this go. By the way, I've known about this for months. You've known about this for months. It's been reported in the New York Post. Now we just have more and more information. It looks even worse than we thought. The mainstream media is finally touching on this. The mainstream media has finally come around to it because it served its purpose to suppress it when they did. But do not forget this. Cuomo lied seniors died that is what happened the Democrat Party should own this they are responsible for this and the corporate media's credibility is even further sullied if that was even a thing that's possible just how much did the media love the love gov governor Andrew Cuomo the Cuomo sexuals remember that that was a thing for a while people were walking around with t-shirts on such a hero. He's such an eligible bachelor. Oh, gosh, people were batting their eyelashes at Cuomo. He was so amazing. He was keeping us safe. The guy's a thug, a bully and a liar. The worst of politics and also a sexual harasser on top of all of that, which we will also get to. Here he is, according to the media over the course of this pandemic. I really, I really want you to just sit back and, and take all this in. Remember, Cuomo lied seniors died Cuomo made an unthinkably stupid bullying decision, threatened nursing homes, basically, used his pandemic superpower, or ultra you know authoritarianism. his mean, superpower sounds like he's a hero, but he used the authoritarian emergency powers. there we go, that he had, and then lied about it when it was a disaster afterwards and then tried to shame everybody else who wouldn't keep listening to him. This is what you're the guardians of our republic, right? The fourth estate. This is what they were saying about all of it. Play to. By for Governor Cuomo's press conferences, daily briefing. Uh, David, we're standing by for Governor Cuomo's press conferences, daily briefing. How would you contrast Cuomo and President Trump's handling of the crisis? Truth versus mendacity.
0: Governor Cuomo, um, out there day after day after day, everything Trump isn't, honest, direct, brave. Real leadership of the kind the president of the United States should have provided. Governor Cuomo is clearly living in a totally
1: different reality. The actual one? ...than the president of the United States. Governor Cuomo has become a national leader. For a lot of people, Andrew Cuomo has become the leader of the Democratic Party.
0: He is conveying incredible strength. You spoke to National Guard troops today in a stirring speech that, if I wasn't listening carefully, I thought you were sending
1: soldiers off to war. This has been a remarkable show of leadership by Governor Cuomo in recent days. He's providing hope but not false hope. Governor Cuomo, no. I think, is, is
0: is one of the heroes on, on the front lines.
1: With all of this adulation that you're getting for doing your job, are you thinking about running for president? Andrew Cuomo, who has a daily television show now uh, and has become, in some ways, the shadow uh, president.
0: Maybe Trump is just a little bit mad that Governor Cuomo has become a kind of acting president.
1: Dealing with hardship actually makes you stronger. That's what Governor Cuomo said earlier today. That's what I'm going to go teach my kids right now at home. <laughs> Brian Stelter, that guy is, oh my god! It's like the equivalent of pouring estrogen in your ear or something. I mean, this guy is—it's unbelievable. Uh, I got to tell you, that—that that, that to me, I, I listen to this and I, I just—I—I I, I just shiver. It's just so gross. The whole thing is so obtuse and absurd. What what was going through their mind? Oh, well, we know. Notice how many clips we can pull of them saying, unlike Trump, Cuomo's great. Unlike Trump, Cuomo speaks the truth. That's they're just their brains were fixated on this, fixated on this. You know, an honest assessment of Trump during the pandemic would start with he basically did everything Fauci told him to. When I spoke to the president in May in the Oval Office, the one thing he actually shook my hand and promised the one thing that I asked him I said sir please don't allow for there to be a a federal push a national push for an across the board lockdown let's not and he said I I totally agree I get it he had been listening to Fauci a lot up to that point he'd been listening to Fauci and we've all seen what the results are remember this is going to be treated like it's an objective discussion about the data and what's best for the country But really, as you see from the teachers' unions, this is about what is best for different individuals, their power, their money. They don't want honesty about what's happened during this pandemic. They certainly don't want accountability for people that were propping up liars, frauds, and thugs like Andrew Cuomo. I mean, the fact that this guy, I would put money on it right now, is going to finish his term as governor. He will not resign, and they will not impeach him. Just shows you how morally decrepit the Democrat Party in the state of New York and across the country is. They're going to let this guy stay. If he stays, who goes? And let's just remember this. They're not going to impeach. Democrats will not impeach Governor Cuomo, but they impeach Trump twice. The first time, and I know this was in Congress, but the first time over a phone call to the Ukrainian president where nothing happened. Cuomo sent seniors to, to die in nursing homes like a moron because he thought he was so smart and he was drunk with power and then he lied about it to everybody. If that doesn't make you resign, what does? Governor Cuomo said that he has never propositioned anybody. Do you believe that he was propositioning you?
0: Yes. For what? Sex. And then he explains at that point that he is looking for a girlfriend He's lonely. He's tired. You've just finished dictation and the governor is telling you he's lonely and looking for a relationship. Yes. You have been quoted as saying that he also asked you about if you'd ever been with an older man. Yeah. He asked me if age difference mattered. He also explained that he was fine with anyone over 22. And how old are you? 25. What were you thinking as he's asking you these questions? I thought he's trying to sleep with me. The governor's trying to sleep with me and I'm deeply uncomfortable and I have to get out of this room as soon as possible. And to be clear, what made you think that he was trying to sleep with you? Without explicitly saying it, he implied to me that I was old enough for him and he was lonely.
1: He was trying to sleep with her. Can, can we all just state the obvious here together? I mean, th- that's many of us have been in the workplace and had conversations and, you know, maybe, you know, shared some of our personal life with friends or colleagues or whatever. But we also know when you're the governor of New York and you have a 25 year old attractive female who's alone with you and you're talking about the the age at which you're willing to have a sexual relationship and your need for a sexual like. Uh, short of drawing a map or like producing some kind of a contract with his expectations and her expectations, like this is pretty clear. It's entirely credible. All these women who have come forward; these are credible allegations. You know, we could go back to the Kavanaugh era. Remember, and they kept saying credible allegations against Kavanaugh, and, and I was completely losing my mind over this. I mean, I was, I was, fr- I was furious. I mean, this is what I said. A lot of us became wartime conservatives during Kavanaugh because we saw that there was honestly no, there was no floor, there was no basement of moral depravity. The Democrats, including Kamala Harris, by the way, leading the charge there in the Senate, don't ever forget that, that there was no low the Democrats would not go to to destroy somebody for politics, that they would lie just in the most, it was just the most mendacious, Disgusting, idiotic, obviously untrue garbage about Brett Kavanaugh. It was, and and any person who doesn't see that, it's just not very smart. It's not possible to look at all the, not possible to look at the three accusers, including the third accuser who's like giggling and talking about gang rape that she saw when she came back from college. I mean, the whole, the whole thing, or Julie Swetnick was her name. The whole thing was so absurd. Avenatti. Avenatti is. It's isn't it amazing to see he was the hero of CNN at the time? Don't you see a pattern here when you were useful against Trump? If you were a weapon against Donald Trump, you were given this this cloak of invincibility and and the elevation. You were treated like a conquering hero. Didn't matter how disgusting you were. Michael Avenatti is the ultimate slimy lawyer. He makes Michael Cohen. Trump's good friend for a while, unfortunately, makes Michael Cohen Look like an ethical counsel. Avenatti was was stealing millions from a paralyzed client. That guy was on TV. He was on CNN, I think, more than any other guest over a period of two months. It was as though he was he was paid to anchor a show. He was on all the time. And he went forward with obvious lies about Brett Kavanaugh. But I I digress. You know, that that whole thing gets me so fired up and I'll never forget I had people I had a CNN anchor reach out to me directly and say, you've got to stop what you're saying about Kavanaugh. You're going to destroy your career. And people on our side who think you're smart but don't agree with you will never take you seriously again. And I I restrained myself from actually writing, you know, go Fauci yourself, but I thought about it. Uh, I did tell him to, you know, leave like don't ever reach out to me again and you're out of your mind i think something like that was what i wrote and uh yeah we have not had any contact since uh but that's that was the mentality it was all hands on deck to destroy an innocent man because it was necessary they thought that was moral you see that's the problem with the left they believe that morality is entirely situational and that there's no universal truth there's no natural law it's just whatever they need when they need it that's a central principle of the left that's if they have a principle, the principle is there's no such thing as a principle. But they kept saying, I'll bring this back to Cuomo. They kept talking about the need uh, or they kept talking about the credibility of the allegations against Kavanaugh. And they, they figured if they repeated it enough, well, it keeps getting called credible. It must be. It would be difficult to come up with a less credible allegation than the one that, yes, even um uh, you know, the, the professor who leveled or, you know, the uh, psychologist who leveled against Kavanaugh, um, she couldn't prove uh, she couldn't prove that she ever even met him. Christine Blasey Ford couldn't prove that she even ever met him, had no details, no corroboration, no nothing and had lied about things like she was afraid to fly. Unless she's going to Cabo, then flying is fine, right? I mean, she, the whole thing was such a scam, such a fraud. If that's a credible allegation, me saying that I assassinated Abraham Lincoln is a credible allegation. I'm sorry, do you, can you prove that I don't have a time machine? Do you know that for a fact? You don't know me. I might have a time machine. You don't know. Right. That's the level of credibility we're talking about with the allegations against Kavanaugh, absurdity. But these allegations against Cuomo, everything lines up. Everything is exactly, there's a pattern, the same kind of pattern, everyone knows. And there were whispers about it before too. Word always gets out a little bit about these things, right? Word always comes out and, and nobody was really surprised by this. That's what's so amazing. The Democrats protected him as long as they could. They propped this jerk up as long as it was feasible for them and as long as it was advantageous. That's the that's the big difference. As long as it was an advantage for them, they propped this guy up. And here we are. Here we are. I've got to tell you, the fact that he's not going to resign is, is so troubling, but also in another sense, he's an excellent reminder of how of how corrupt Democrats are with all of these things and how two-faced they are and how it's all just about power for them. You know, me, me too things, right? I mean, first of all, let's not forget Joe Biden was credibly accused of sexual assault by a woman who knew him, who worked with him, who was around him. You know, remember when it was, what, what does she have to gain? Uh, accusing a Democrat who's going to be president of sexual assault, uh, you really have got nothing to gain because your life is going to be ruined. You never even hear about that anymore, do you? Creepy Joe sniffing women's heads, grabbing them, touching them, saying weird to I have never met a stranger and held her head from behind and kissed her head and sniffed her hair. That is a weirdo move. Joe Biden did that. That's a matter of record. That's not even a, that's not even an allegation. He apologized for that, but not, not an issue. Just saying no, nothing about Joe Biden. It doesn't matter. See, one of the things about Trump was that he was blowing out into the open the truth that we had known about the Democrats for so long when he would say things like, you know, I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and, and, you know, my supporters would stay with me. And the Democrats all lost their minds about that. A lot of Trump supporters said, look, he's obviously exaggerating a little bit or he's, you know, he's he's trying to make a point. It's hyperbole. But that has always been true about Democrats. Bill Clinton going down the whole list. It's always been true that they can do whatever they want as long as they're useful for the power of the people on the Democrat side. And the same thing is very much true of Cuomo. We're seeing this play out in real time. Very. Uh, I was going to say it's discouraging. But that's not even really true. This is who the Democrats are. There's no surprise here. None of you are sitting around saying, wait a second, they're really unethical. They'll lie about Kavanaugh and then they'll defend uh, Kavanaugh, who's clearly innocent, and then, and then defend Cuomo until they can't. They just they couldn't hold it back anymore. It's like Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein was a big friend of the Obamas. He was a big donor to the Democrats. You you see, and then eventually they're like, oh, there's too many allegations. Too much stuff comes out. So then they, you know, like like an old horse getting sent to the glue factory. That's what they do with Weinstein, with Cuomo. You know, sorry, you're more useful now for us to do some virtue signaling and and pretend like we're an honest press. They, They don't take these people down when it matters. They don't take them down when they're actually going to politically lose as a result of it you get on the whole list everybody knew Charlie Rose with the uh, the crusty claw I love that line that was uh, the crusty claw Arr, matey uh, you know Charlie Rose was grabbing I, I heard about Charlie Rose being an old creepster um, I, I mean like 20 years ago when I was working at CBS Evening news everyone's always known that guy was an old creepster You get on this list, all all these prominent Democrats that it took so long and then finally and then they want applause because the media finally covers the story. No, when they were powerful, when they were uh, necessary to carry the message for the left, they were protected. And The same thing's true of Cuomo here. But you listen to these young women. Look, we also all know we sit there and you see these women talking about this and you go, yeah, they're telling the truth. You know, we we, we can actually make these. Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes it's kind of hard. Sometimes it feels like he said, she said. No, this is she said, and she's telling the truth. And she said, and she said, because there are a handful of them. They're telling the truth. Do the Democrats really care? What's fascinating, of course, is they actually do care about the sexual harassment more than they do the order to send seniors into nursing homes, which undoubtedly put more of them at risk and killed more seniors than would have otherwise died. They care more about un un uh, uncouth inappropriate comments said to women he, he didn't you know he didn't sexually assault anybody I mean there are there are some things Cuomo did not do but I mean he clearly uh, likes young women and tries to use his power as a means of getting them into bed with him and now it's come out and that is what the media is uh hoisting him up and and dist- and destroying him over that's what they're hoisting him up over not the, the seniors in the nursing homes, because that goes after much more than just one man being a lecherous old fool. That goes to something else. Goes to the way the media lied about covid in so many ways to defeat Donald Trump in 2020.
0: The only way I know how to improve it is with a shredder. It's not even a coronavirus bill. Calling this a coronavirus bill is like calling. um Harvey Weinstein, a feminist, it's chock full of spending porn, billions of dollars to states and local governments that have, have seen their revenues go up. Billions of dollars to yep. pension programs, billions of dollars to schools with no requirement that they open. Um, it's it's a, it's an orgy of pork.
1: An orgy of pork. The senator, uh, Senator Kennedy says here. It's like calling Harvey Weinstein a feminist. Uh, Kennedy Kennedy's definitely writing out his lines beforehand. That's for sure. Uh, and also that I was reminded of this because I mentioned Harvey Weinstein before in the context of incredibly powerful, wealthy, influential Democrats who they cover for as long as they can. And then they want applause when the person is no longer useful to their cause. And they you know, throw them to the wolves. Uh, this coronavirus bill that is I mean, it's not a covid bill. It's just a Democrat spending bill and and we, we should come up with a better name for it. One thing that one thing where Republicans, I think, continuous uh, continue to fall down on or or a, a major shortcoming they have is we need catchy phrases for things, too. This is politics. We need shorthand. We need slogans. You know, we need better ways of referring to some of these things, because the second you call this a covid relief bill, you're basically playing their game. The moment you concede with that word that 1.9 trillion dollars sounds like it's going toward helping people who have been so affected by covid but 9% of the actual bill does so 9% i mean if it were like 60 or 70% i'd say ah oh, you know it's politics they're going to put some other stuff in there it's basically all not covid stuff in fact there's a a whole there's there's provisions about you know additional spending for education and most of it doesn't even happen next year. It's built in. It's layered in over years and years. Tens of billions of dollars. Oh, you mean the teachers unions want their payoffs and they want their prerogatives? And it really has nothing to do with their safety. They're so scared. Yeah, that's what I thought. Not a surprise. Uh, the pretense of a Biden administration and of a Democrat majority Congress acting and even the most the most basic bipartisan fashion. I mean, that didn't last a day, did it? When Biden came into office and his attitude, or I should say the handlers around him and the special interests and the people that are telling him what to do, the attitude was, we won, you lost, go jump in a lake, you know? Go blankety-blanking, blank your blank. And we've seen nothing but that since then. And this is, I, I think, in part a, a, a hangover Of the way that Donald Trump psychologically broke the left and they haven't put themselves back together. I mean, you know, Humpty Dumpty, all the king's horses and men can't put the Democrats fragile emotions back together again. I mean, they're having a tough time here because Donald Trump came into office and made fun of them for four years for being a bunch of shrill lib lunatics. And now they want payback against against everybody else there's real anger out there but you know ted cruz notices that uh they're not even pretending to be reaching the other side and you look at the way that republicans passed real covid bills with democrat votes last year it's actually possible folks that's not a that's not some theoretical democrats are going to pass this probably without a single republican vote in the senate and you know who knows how the house is going to go play 10.
0: we're getting ready to go through an unfortunate bit of political theater And the reason for that is that the Democrats have made the decision to be hard partisans rather than to work together in a bipartisan manner. Last year, Congress passed five separate COVID relief bills. Every one of them was bipartisan. So it's not just empty words. Republicans here have demonstrated that we are ready and willing to roll up our sleeves and work together in a bipartisan manner to address COVID, to defeat this pandemic and to get people back to work. Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi could have done the same. But they made a decision instead. This is not a covid bill. Nine percent of this bill focuses on covid health spending. Ninety one percent is a partisan wish list paying off the Democratic special interests that got them elected. And it's cynical. It's got Chuck Schumer's bridge to Canada. The last I checked, a bridge to Canada is not going to defeat covid.
1: It is not. Sorry, Canada, that's not the way it's going to work but Republicans did bipartisan things to help the country during COVID Democrats won't do that now why?
0: What we are doing is building
1: the capacity to address the needs of those children, and we are guided by uh, uh, some core principles. Number one, we act in the best interest of the children, and we act in the best interest of the American people. And thirdly, we adhere to
0: our values and principles as a country. And so, in fact, the numbers are significant, the challenge is significant, and our plans are
1: well underway as we build the capacity to address the needs of the children, and we are rebuilding from scratch. Oh, it's all about the children. What's Buck's Law of Politics for Democrats? The moment they tell you it's about the children, you're being lied to. Okay, just remember that. It's always true. The moment they say, it's for the children. The moment Nancy Pelosi comes out, you know, with her Chanel scarf loosely draped around her mouth because she cares so much about COVID and goes, the children need, you know, I We're going to get get them the things that they need. Yeah, that's because they've got something else going on. Why do we have a what is what is he saying now? Uh, DHS Secretary Mayorkas, a significant challenge at the border. Why why do we have this? Because of the Biden administration. That's why we have a huge spike in people coming to the border. They are literally wearing Biden T-shirts. Okay, can we make this any more clear? Illegal immigrants are showing up and wearing T-shirts that say Biden let us in at the border. I think we know why they're showing up. And Democrats are already uh, I mean, House Democrats are already pushing uh, bills, uh, try, trying to get bills ready to go for mass amnesty. I said I've said this all along I, you know, policy. I'm good at predicting elections. I don't think anybody can really predict elections, but policy I can usually sh- uh, see coming. But we're going to have to have a whole reckoning here as a country about what's going on with our immigration policy right now because it, this is about to be the, the central fight. And really what you're going to, start to, you're going to start to see is that they want open borders because sovereignty is for suckers. Sovereignty, a nation that can control its borders, that requires effort. You know what's much better? Create incentives for people to come and give them even more incentives when they stay to vote for one political party And you effectively create a a voter base of anybody from anywhere around the world who feels like coming to America and availing themselves of all of the benefits of being here illegally. Right. They're supposed to have a process for all of this. I mean, as Milton Friedman said, it is one thing to have free immigration to jobs. It's another thing to have free immigration to welfare. And you cannot have both. You can have a welfare state. Or you can have open immigration for jobs. You have both. You've got a big problem. Do you think we have a bit of a welfare state in this country? Is it fair to say? But this has been a long time in coming. As you know, the dominant liberal media narrative on immigration has been a series of shifting lies for about the last 40 years. In the Trump era, the main leftist argument on immigration shifted into outright moral blackmail from the left. This is what this is how it would always go. You know this. If you ever try to talk to somebody about immigration policy, this is how it, uh, it happens. Do You have a problem with a million illegal arrivals from uh, Central America. You must be racist, they say to you. If you ask any questions about who will pay for these new illegal arrivals in terms of the benefits and welfare, that's a racist question to ask. If you wonder how Social Security and Medicare will remain viable programs when millions of illegal aliens will need similar benefits when they reach retirement age, it's racist to even consider such things. That's what it's just always about how it's always racist and xenophobic. You're not allowed to ask any questions based on, oh, I don't know, the simple math of how are we going to pay for this? Who's going to pay for this? How's this all going to go? That's more or less the extent of the intellectual discourse you can expect from leftists on the issue of illegal immigration. Because they much prefer to engage in ad hominem attacks against anybody who has a problem uh, with open borders. It's so much easier. As you know, illegal alien is a term that appears in the federal legal code many times. Leftists now say that it is hateful. And they're actually in the process of changing this. They might have already changed it by the time I talk to you in the federal code. It's hateful to say words that are written in federal law when it comes to immigration. But they were they used to insist on a legal immigrant, but they disliked the fact that there was illegal in there. So if you're going to call something illegal, you're kind of admitting it's against the law. That's a problem. So then they moved on to the more Orwellian term undocumented, which is absurdly vague and inaccurate. They have documents somewhere. They're not undocumented. They just don't have documents that say you're legally allowed to be in the United States. Calling an illegal alien undocumented is like calling a trespasser a pre-invite guest. Now, keep in mind, this phraseology fight is coming to us after decades of brainwashing the American people with platitudes meant to conflate legal and illegal immigration to mislead citizens about the cost of illegals and pretend the problem was less massive all along than in reality it is. Loaded misleading claims like America is a nation of immigrants and immigrants do the jobs Americans won't do have become second nature for many American commentators in particular news anchors policy analysts they say these things as though they are written in the Constitution itself I mean CNN actually seems to believe that Emma Lazarus's great Colossus poem on the base of the Statue of Liberty is the foundation of federal immigration law you know the poem for anybody who doesn't know this just so you're clear the poem was for a fundraiser. The plaque is there for tourists. OK, that's where the great Colossus bone, you know, give me your tired, you're hungry you're. Know, I, I don't remember all the poem, but you get it. Historically, Ellis Island was actually a place where immigrants could be re- uh, rejected on the spot after a week's long transatlantic journey. You got about two percent of all new immigrants at Ellis Island were for medical or mental health reasons told to go back on the boat and go home. So people were were turned away, even at Ellis Island. Not a lot, but there were people turned away. The left's rewriting of immigration history isn't simply an academic matter. It's been used to create narratives that support illegal immigration at the expense of rule of law and sovereignty. So that's now what it's at the point where we have to see what's going to come next, what's going to happen. We are at the extremes now. We are at the phase where we would have to think about what becomes of this country when there's another mass legalization. Remember, we had a mass legalization under Ronald Reagan in 1986, and they said it would only be whatever it was, a couple million, and then there was going to be a very secure border and no more illegal immigration. We got the amnesty, and then we got millions and millions more illegal immigrants in the country, and, you know, if all of this is fine, if it means, if it. Is meaningless as the left now pretends. Why do we even pretend there's a, a thing called assimilation? Why have immigration laws at all? If immigration, including illegal immigration, if illegal immigration is only good, if it is only upside, and there are some radical libertarian think tank types who will always say that, right? Oh, the more we, if we could take a, if we could take five hundred million people from China to the United States tomorrow, it would make us wealthier. That's what they'll tell you. It'll be a better country then. To which I say, okay. If 500 million Chinese arrived in America tomorrow, which I know that's not going to happen, but we're just as a thought experiment, would it still be America? It's still the same country? Don't we have cultures, norms, mores, shared history, tradition? Doesn't all that come from being here and being an American and that we have an assimilation process for people to become American over time? But, you know, when you show up here illegally and, you know, the first day you step on U.S. soil, you're not an American. You're not by law and you're not by any other definition. So how do we actually view this as a society? These are the conversations we have to have. And then, of course, there's the, the question of the official count. As of 2017, they were saying, and it's just true now, too. I mean, I just have the 2017 number in front of me, but they'll say about 11.7 million illegal illegal aliens in the United States. But that figure is an estimate based on voluntary census data. That's right. It's all census data they're using. Uh, the real number of illegal aliens is probably much, much higher, right? There were those math nerds at Yale, and I say math nerds with reverence. Just a couple of years ago, they did a Ph.D. project, and they looked at all the available data, and these are, you know, these are math whizzes, and they estimated the number of illegal aliens was more like 20 million, which is close to uh, double the official figure. Um, it's, it's pretty remarkable when you see that we're told, the number has stayed constant. Illegal aliens it has stayed constant for like the last 10 or 15 years. Net migration, zero. You hear all these things. Meanwhile, when I've been down at the border and talked to Border Patrol, and uh, members of Border Patrol, you know what they say? Uh, that's ridiculous. We're catching illegals crossing over all the time. And illegals aren't in large numbers going back to where they came from, especially if they come from Pakistan or China or the Philippines or wherever. They're not they're not coming. They're not going back to their home countries. Once they get here, they stay. But we can't even we cannot have an honest discussion about immigration in this country. And again, see, even just the notion of of immigration, I'm talking about illegal immigration. We can't have an honest discussion about it because that would mean the left won't get its way quite as easily. But do you see how they're ramming through this spending bill in the Congress? See how their plans now are to just continue doing exactly what they want. Doesn't matter what the Republicans think. That's the plan for amnesty, too. That's how they're going to ramp through amnesty.